Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Eat Local New York podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Tringale, and in this week's episode, my guest is local restaurateur Mark Bullis. Well, I am thrilled to have Mark on the podcast. I've been trying to get him down here for about a year, it seems like. I'm thrilled we finally were able to connect and get a time scheduled. If you don't know who Mark is, you probably know him from some of his restaurants. Uh, One of those concepts being Bull and Bear Roadhouse with their locations here in the Syracuse area. And Mark has a really long history of being an owner-operator of restaurants here in central New York. So I'm thrilled to have him on the show and sit down and chat and pick his brain about his history and about his take on our industry. Well, I want to give a really big shout out to a sponsor we have this week, and that is Baldwinsville Dining Weeks. Baldwinsville Dining Weeks is returning this year, January 16th through February 5th. It is a great opportunity where a lot of the restaurants in Baldwinsville come together. They all offer a special menu. Some are offering a three-course menu for a discounted price. Some are just coming up with special items that they're featuring each week. But it's a great time to see exactly what Baldwinsville and their food scene has to offer. There's 15 area restaurants all participating in this year's Baldwinsville Dining Weeks. And it's just a great time, again, to check out that food scene in Baldwinsville. So if you want more information, head to baldwinsvillediningweeks.com and check it out. Without further ado, let's get into this week's conversation with Mark Bullis. Thanks for coming on, man. You're welcome. Yeah. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah. Been trying to get you for a while. You and uh, you and Danielle are the two guests I've been wanting to have on for quite a long time. Oh, yeah. We're easy to find. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> easy to find. Hard to get yeah, in true. here. Yeah. So true. thank you for coming in. I appreciate welcome. it. So, uh, I mean, I've, I've been curious about a lot of things uh, with, you know, your whole, your world of restaurants. And it, I feel like as I talk to I'll be talking to somebody who's been in the industry for a while and they'll start referencing a restaurant and they'll say, oh, you know, the place that Mark used to own. And I'm like, what? Like, yeah, Mark, Mark Bullis used to own that place. I'm like, no, you're out of your mind. Pronto Fresh? Yeah, yeah. So Pronto Fresh was was mine. I had yeah, no idea. It was, uh, it was 2011 and okay. um, we opened a salad concept in the style of fast casual uh, in Syracuse, a little ahead of everything else that was happening. Yeah. Um, and I think I sold that off in 2016, maybe. Okay. Um, to the current owner who's yeah. been there. But it's pretty much, uh, you know, the branding and all that stuff is original to what we did mm. back then. Mm. Um, it was a space in need of a concept versus a concept that was in need of a space. They, just, okay. they were, it was the space next to the Bullenberry, you know, our original space yeah. downtown. So, hmm. yeah, that came out of it. Yeah. Never heard somebody say that before. A, a space that needed a concept instead yeah. of a concept that needed a space. That's like an ass waiting for a seat versus a seat waiting for an ass. <laughs> you know. What was the first, what was your first, uh, you know, jump into the restaurant world as an owner? Oh, as an owner was Bull and Bear Pub downtown. Okay. Yeah. Um, March 8th, 2002. So we're going to celebrate 21 years hmm. coming up here. That's wild. It's crazy. Yeah. So crazy. Um, but yeah, that was it. I was just, uh, I had my first management gig. Hmm. And at that time, and, and uh, I had a girlfriend at the time who said, hey, you know, you should, you, you should take this bartending thing that you're, you know, you're pretty good at and find your own space. Mm-hmm. And she kind of coaxed me into it. And hmm. one thing led to another. And I found somebody to sort of financially back me. Hmm. Which, looking back then, wasn't wasn't very much, <laughs> and uh, and we opened the pub two thousand two two thousand two. Wow. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Much different era. Pre cell phones. Yeah. Well, not pre cell phones. Pre smartphones. Anyway. Yeah, Facebook and all that kind of oh, stuff. Way before that. Yeah. yeah, that's wild. What was the downtown scene? Because you were in Hanover with that, right? Yeah. So, I I cut my teeth at Awful Al's. Okay. Right. Al's Wine and Whiskey now, but. 
Um, yeah, that's that's where I learned the business. I, I was a doorman and then a bar back, and I sold cigars and <laughs> eventually became a bartender. And you know, they were doing craft cocktails long before a craft cocktails were a thing. You mm. know, um, and so I had a, a great teacher in in Dave Odekirk and Carl. Mm-hmm. Um, but in addition to that, not only not only did um, what was I was gonna say. Yeah, I mean, not only that, but we were we were like, in my opinion, we were the busiest, most popular joint in that armory culture at that time. Mm. And Hanover Square had just gotten a bunch of uh, grant money, and they were re- they were renovating a bunch of the buildings over there. Mm. So that's how I got an opportunity right before they started construction on the buildings we were in, okay. and they got remodeled from bottom up, okay. uh, including new steel and the structures and everything else. So we got to be a part of that. And when we went over there, it was myself and downtown Manhattans and, uh, mm. you know, Wild Wills and, and, and mm. you know, I, a couple of other places that were there or that, that all kind of opened in the same coffee pavilion, you know, that oh, everybody yeah. opened in the huh. same month. Really. Yeah. So we got a splash. Mm. We got really popular really quickly. Um, and it became the alternative to Armory Square. Mm. And we all did live music, so that was different. Armory at the time really wasn't. Mm. It was cool. It yeah. was a really cool scene. Um, mm. Yeah, it was really fun. It's, it's always interesting to me how it seems like uh, restaurants and food service places in Syracuse pop up, like open at the same time. You know, like in the same, it's definitely in the same year, but in the same like section of months. Yeah. Like I think of, you know, Eat Local, you know, we're going in eight years and it's amazing to, talk to somebody else. It's like, yeah, we opened up then too. We opened up in that month. And, you know, I mean, Willow Rock was just in here. They're eight years old. The Brasserie, like all these places that pop up around the same time, it feels like. Yeah. Um, I think that's kind of interesting. You know, so to hear all these places started to pop up in Hanover around the same time. That really was, I mean, back in 2005, I forget the name of the place, but in 2005, I was in high school and friends of mine that had a band played at some spot in Hanover. And it was like, you know, the place to be to go for music at the time. Yeah, it was. It really was. It was, and it was a riot. It was a lot of fun. Um, you know, what was interesting is in 2007, the iPhone came out. Yeah. And 2008, we hit a financial you know, recession and <laughs> places around us started to close. Hmm. And it really changed the recession plus the iPhone. Mm. really changed the way people entertain themselves. Mm. Like I lived through this, I, you know, yeah. in the sense of having a career through that transition. Um, it was really weird. You know, at that point we started to say, okay, maybe, maybe it's the suburbs mm. because I lost touch with downtown at that point. Mm. Right. All of a sudden there's a new game yeah. and I didn't get it, mm. which was scary. Um, what was that? I mean, what was changing in downtown? Uh, you know, live music wasn't as popular mm-hmm. and suddenly mm. people were looking down. Yeah. Social media and social media advertising came into play. Um, mm. And it just, people just changed their patterns. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, back in the day, you'd have a full bar at 2.30 in the morning, you know, trying mm. to kick people out. That's just not common today. Yeah. There was a few places, All but right. back then it was, you know, mm. every place. So it's much, it, it, Things mm. change into today. It's really different. Yeah. You know, today, food, the food, the drink, the photograph that you take, that's all the entertainment. Yeah. So there's less and less live music venues. There's mm. less and less. Talk to a guy who has a vending company, and he'll tell you that, you know, pool tables mm. and dartboards and bar top video games that used to be very popular, like all of that stuff is different. It's gone. Yeah. You know? Yeah, live. I mean, Syracuse had a you know push for live trivia on a cell phone. Where you know in Syracuse, where people are sitting on their phones in the same bar, playing the trivia game on their cell phones with each other. Right. You know. Yeah. It's uh, yeah. Lots changed for that. It's it's so strange. Hmm. What uh, I mean, you know, twenty two years in the restaurant industry in Syracuse. Uh, I know there's, I'm sure there's a lot of things that, you know, you could, you would say, but what's one of the biggest adjustments that you've had to make as an owner in those years? 
The most, I mean, the most recent ones are, you know, they're staff based, you know, and I certainly don't want to come on and talk about yeah. those, you know, the, that, that difficult landscape right now. Right. Everybody that sits in this seat and talks to you is going to have a similar story. So, I mean, that's, it's, it seems like it's beat to death right now, but yeah. that has been the big change. But to back up a little bit, if we're talking about just the ebbs and flows of like how it is, I go back to that same thing. Mm. Entertaining people is different today. Mm. And that is probably the biggest change from yeah. 2002 to today that I've seen is that we've had to change what we do. Um, mm. You know, think about this. Um, every once in a while, I'll have a someone I know say, hey, I'm going to open a sports bar. And they just say the word sports bar, right? You think, okay, generic term. Well, it wasn't a generic term a long time ago, right? Mm -hmm. Tully's obviously, they, in my opinion, they own that market. They do a great job of it. Mm -hmm. But today, with things streaming and televisions being cheap and any bar can be really right. show sports yeah. really well. So those everything to everybody concepts, which are non-concepts really, yeah. Um, they've gone away. Hmm. And now you have these hyper-focus concepts, yeah. on, right? I only sell, you know, ramen. I only sell tacos. Right. I only sell. So those those things, hmm. and Bull and Bear, you know, although we're specialized in a few things, we're still a little blue jeans, you know? We still, yeah. we still run the gambit of things. A lot like our friends at Limp Lizard, you know, yeah. things like that. Hmm. It's... Um we're about to, so uh, it's really first of all it's really 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 interesting to hear you talk about like entertaining people in that regard because I've never thought of food that way but it makes a hell of a lot of sense um you know like you mentioned the you know 2008 recession I talked to I owned a furniture store in 2008 uh, I was 21 years old and it went under that year and um you know it, it, for a little, for a couple of years there, I was like, oh, it was the recession. It was just because I was an idiot and didn't know what I was doing as a 21-year-old business owner. Um, but talking to clients of mine or restaurant owners over the past, like I've been fascinated with a recession for the last five years waiting for something to happen. And uh, I've always asked restaurant owners what was like 2008, 2009 like with the recession. And all of them said that we weren't affected because... If anything, they did, some of them have said they did better in that year because what they found were is if people weren't going out to the movies or to amusement parks or vacations as much, they were still going out to eat because that became their form of entertainment. Sure. You know, maybe I don't have the money to go to Blockbuster or whatever, but I can, or go to the movies, but I can go get a, you know, $10 cheeseburger, whatever the case is. I've been really terrified of the, uh, what I, I think is the coming recession because food is so expensive nowadays. You know, right. it's not cheap like it used to be 12 years ago to go out to eat. It's, you know, my wife and I go out to eat and have a drink or two and it's going to be a hundred bucks easy. Easily. You know? Easily. Um, so I've been really, really worried about that. And, and you know, for whenever this thing is going to drop. Um, but uh, yeah, but thinking of it like entertainment, man, I've never thought about that, thought about food service like that before. Sure. You know, before social media, right, before really, and I'm talking about back in 2007 yeah. and prior to that, um, if you wanted to run into your friends, you went to the Blues Fest or you went to the, you know, Taste mm. of Syracuse, I don't know if it was around, but you get my point. Yeah. You had to go someplace. All right. You wanted to meet, you mm. know, a partner, you'd go to a bar. Yeah. All of those needs can be met now from your couch. Yeah. So, but what can't be met from your couch is the you know, the visceral experience of like having someone prepare something for you, mm -hmm. bring it to you, display yeah. it for you. You know, something that you can capture a moment, capture the way it feels, and then brag to your friends on Instagram about it. So. <laughs> Th that is again. That's the trophy. Is the picture? Yeah, I'm. I'm doing this. Aren't you jealous? And <laughs> but you can't. You you can't do that on your couch. Hmm. You can swipe for dating apps and find <laughs> you know and find a mate. You can do all those things from your couch, but yeah. you can't go to a restaurant from your couch. Yeah. With that being said, I think that <clears throat> with that coupled with the fact that food is expensive in the grocery store, 
I don't know that we're going to take as big a hit mm-hmm. in this upcoming recession. Yeah. And I keep saying upcoming recession. Some people will say we're in the middle of it. Right. I don't know. I'm not a financial expert. Yeah. Um, but I think that at some point, maybe some frequency falls off, right? Maybe mm-hmm. I can't afford to go four times a month. I can go three or two. Yeah. It's our job to make sure that we watch our costs as best we can. We pass on the minimum that we need to to make our ends meet. Right. Otherwise, we're not there. Yeah. People forget about that, right? We still have a job. Um, and then and, and, and hmm. make it so that we're at least competitive with the grocery store, hmm. meaning that it's not quite that much cheaper. Hmm. You get my point? Yeah, for sure. That's yeah. really interesting. Um, yeah, it's a lot of, uh, yeah. Uh, even thinking about that, I've never thought about food pricing on a menu in that way of trying to be competitive with the grocery store. You know, I mean, I just, so, you know, like you mentioned Limp Lizard earlier, obviously through and fried, you know, we're partnered there and we're in the North Syracuse location, but, um, I'm going to be taking over the North Syracuse location to run it, uh, cause the kid that they had in there just left. And so, um, I love doing that kind of stuff, getting into a place where it's like, oh, I can see, like, these are all the changes that need to be made. Let's go make them, you know. So we're going to be switching up the way that that location's run. And instead of trying to do this crazy vast menu that has, you know, catfish and buffalo chicken wraps and burgers and barbecue, we're narrowing it down to just barbecue and trying to make it feel a little bit like I used to live in Austin. And so trying to make it feel a little bit like a central Texas barbecue joint. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I'm kind of having, like, I've mentioned it to a few different people and like saying, Hey, this is what we're doing. And I've gotten nothing but pushback from people. They're like, Oh, that's not going to work. That's not going to work. And so I've had kind of this like panic of, Oh, maybe this isn't such a great (laughs) idea to be so narrowly focused uh, you know, maybe you do need to just appeal to the masses. Maybe that's the goal. I mean, what's your, what's your take on that as somebody who's, I mean, you have bull and bear, which is a little broad, right? Uh, even though you're focused on a few things, but you're a little broad. And then you've had, you know, yo burrito and other concepts that are mm-hmm. narrowly focused. What do you find is, I won't say what works better than the other, cause I'm, you know, a, a lot of factors go into that, but what do you, what do you get more excited about? Um, I think things that are narrowly focused conceptually, uh, they make, uh, they're fun because then you, yeah. you're, you know, I do the interior designs and things like that. I mean, so, um, you know, that excites me. Mm-hmm. So when you're focused on one thing, like Yo Burrito was, all of a sudden you get to do this themey, you know, you don't have to be everything to everybody. You're doing, you know, you're, you're, yeah. you're not only you're designing a menu, but you're designing an entire feel of a space based in that, like, you know, that focused, um, yeah genre if you want to call it that um so i like it i like it a lot um what you're talking about is taking a menu and pulling the top let's say 30 percent or maybe 40 percent of what's selling yeah and eliminating the rest of it um if that creates efficiency and makes it so that you maybe don't have to push pricing down the line as much because i think we're going to run into this is going to become a financial game yeah if it's not already right um for the guest right if you can do that create efficiencies and do and really shine best at what they do best mm-hmm. i think it's a home run i yeah. don't i don't see let's say hamburger is a good example let's say you know one out of every hundred people buys a hamburger. Mm-hmm. Forget it. Right. They're still going to come there. Yeah. Because it's probably not them driving, you know, it's probably right. not them that's driving the bus in, in that way anyway. Yeah. So they're like, yeah, I'm grabbing a hamburger because I don't really like barbecue. Right. So what? They'll find something. Yeah. You know? Yeah, that's been my, so I'm going, I've, you know, for the past like month, I've uh, been able to see like we use, we use spot on for our POS system and they've got a phenomenal back end and um, <clears throat> that I can go through and like any detail I want. And so for the past month, I've been just going through every sale for the past year and then comparing that with our purchasing and labor. And I'm like, I'm looking at, you know, if the, if the menu has 50 items on it, I'm looking at 18 of them that 
sell, you know, it's those 18 items are 60% of sales, 70% sure. of sales for the past year. And the other 30% are the most time consuming labor expensive items to prep and make and hold. And I'm like, why in the hell would we ever have these things on the menu? Right. You know, we need to get rid of that, shore up labor, shore up food costs and push the thing that, you know, they're known for. So, yeah. But, uh, but then it's, I, I, I have this conversation with people, especially a lot more recently. And that is about the market of Syracuse in central New York and, and what, people are what they can handle in terms of like, not that that's an innovative way of doing things, but what they can handle in terms of new concepts or, Mm -hmm. you know, trying to innovate the restaurant industry. Um, and whether or not John page and I have this conversation a lot. Um, is if I'm looking for an idea for a a menu item for three, one fried, I'm going on Instagram and TikTok and Facebook and I'm searching fried chicken sandwiches in Los Angeles and Nashville and New York City and any big city mm-hmm. to see what people are posting and what's popular, you know, what sandwich they came up with, what does it look like, sure. flavors. And I had the idea one day, oh, if a concept hits big in Los Angeles or New York City and five, six years later it gets to Syracuse, what would prevent somebody from just figuring out what the concept is that's hitting today in Los Angeles and just bring it to Syracuse Sure. early? The question that John and I ask ourselves is, would that work? Or is Syracuse never going to be right? Does Syracuse need that five-year buffer, in other words, for something to really take off here? I think you may be right. I think we may need that five-year yeah. buffer. <laughs> Um, and, and not because we're somehow um, inferior to the people of L.A., mm-hmm. um, but I think that things become popular when you get exposed to them over and over and over again, right? So if you bring that sandwich here, and it may have the greatest flavor and yeah. look really cool and all the things, um, until people get it mm-hmm. and they see it a few times, Right, it's it's like advertising. Yeah. First time it's like, oh yeah. The second time it's like, yeah, okay, I I get that. And the third time it's like, that's a fact. Mm-hmm. I'm in. You know. Yeah. So I think that new foods are like that. Mm. I think everything. I mean, what what did we see right here over over um, the New Year's break was uh, Chat GPT, right? Like mm-hmm. all of a sudden, OpenAI and Chat are like, yeah, in. Who right. really knew about it? Yeah, uh, six weeks ago, two weeks, four weeks ago. Yeah, right. And I'm not hmm. tech forward, and even I'm looking it up and watching videos on it and things right. like that. Um, that's exactly, in my opinion, the food world is very similar to that. Yeah. Um, hmm. Also, some things just can't be reproduced. Yeah. Right. Like, uh, I'll give you an example. <laughs> Every year, we put the kids in the car. We go up to Rudy's on the lake, right? Mm-hmm. Now, right next to Rudy's, there's a place that looks just like Rudy's. <laughs> and so many people have gone in, went in there and tried to do something like Rudy's. Meanwhile, all the crowds are Rudy's. Why? Well, yeah. It's, yeah. it's time. It's yeah, tradition. It's, it's whatever. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's an example. Hyde's another example of yeah. that. You know, stand in line. I can sell hot dogs across the street, right? <laughs> Call it the same name. <laughs> They just won't go there. Yeah, you know? for sure. So there's a little bit of that in play. Huh. That's interesting. Yeah. It takes a little while. Yeah. It really is a fascinating, um, I think, uh, you know, if there's one thing I've learned just in this past year with Through and Fried, it's um, I'm not saying that, like, we're, like, the the perfect example of what a fried chicken sandwich restaurant could or should be, but thinking through... Um, and, you know, let's say making the right decisions on what it should look like, taste like, be priced at, all that kind of stuff. And then seeing how the market responds to it. You know, it's, right. it, you know, you kind of go in with one idea of like, oh, this is going to slap. And then, you know, the market doesn't necessarily respond to it in the same way. Or right. understanding you might have the same, like you were kind of talking about spaces, you know, concept for a space, space for a concept. Um, sometimes it's just, you know, wrong area, wrong space for it. Definitely. Um, I've done plenty of that. Um, You know, Syracuse is probably a C market, really, when in the in the the bigger picture. Yeah. 
um, myself over the years due to resources, financial resources. I've chosen spots that were not A spots in a C market. They're probably B or C spots in a C market. Mm. So we've always sort of taken this approach to like 130 seats tucked in a neighborhood. We can do a nice business there, employ a bunch of people, become a part of the neighborhood, mm. and quietly clip along, and we can take these things and tuck them in all over the county. Mm. We've obviously, we've done three of them, you know, in the bull and bear world. So we've done three of those things. We don't ha have one in the West. Um, and, and I look occasionally. Yeah. Uh, but that, um, hmm. I don't know where I've, I lost my train of thought. Yeah, uh, that's all right. Yeah. Yeah. It happens to me all the but time. I, yeah. <laughs> I mean, have you ever thought about, I'm sure, you know, I've often said this with other businesses in the area who expanded too too much too fast, and yeah. that it's it's probably pretty easy. And like I've seen it happen, you open rest the first spot and you're successful for a couple of years, and all of a sudden somebody's like, "Oh, this is you're doing so great! You'd be so successful if you had two, mm -hmm. if you had three, if you had four. A lot of people are just gonna, wow! If you think I'm successful with two, maybe I should be. So they sure. pop open two, three, four locations, and then it turns out to be the biggest nightmare and you know, worst decision ever. I'm sure you get approached a lot about people saying, "You've got to open a space here. You've got to put a space here." People, people definitely, um, people definitely bring opportunity yeah. and suggest. You know, my Liverpool location was based on a guy eating on eating on the patio at our East Syracuse location. It was like, "Hey, can you open one of these in my neighborhood? Hmm. There's a place for sale, right?" <laughs> and he told me what building it was, and I said, ah, geez, everybody's seen that building. And we went yeah. up, and we ended up liking it, and, and it was uh, approachable for us, so we did it. Um, hmm. That, it's hard. It's hard to run and operate and work in your business, full-service restaurant I'm talking about, yeah. and own two. Hmm. Three is really hard. Hmm. So when I when I got to three plus a catering company, right? When yeah. I got to three in a catering company, I brought in my partner Nathan, and Nathan really filled the gap into what I don't know, and it was really around those times when you see the struggle; it's really difficult, hmm. and you start to realize, wow, I really don't know how to lead a team this big. Yeah, I really don't, you know, because. When you're self-taught, and I got to assume you're self-taught in this world, right? Yeah. You're always at the front of your learning curve. Yeah. We have 310 employees in the summertime right now. Hmm. I've never had 310 employees, so I'm at the front of that learning curve yeah. all the time. So when you said earlier that you didn't know anything at your furniture store and you were, right? right. Those are rookie mistakes. I've been doing this 22 years. Hmm. I still make rookie mistakes because a lot of things we're doing are for the first time. Yeah. You're still a freshman, right? So with that being said, there's, you know, we're opening a diner, a full service diner in in Manlius. Mm. Um, that this is my first dip into mm. really short order cooking. You know, yes, I was involved in Modern Malt. Yeah. Um, but that was different. This this is truly mm. a modern diner. Yeah. Right. With with all the customizations of every kind of breakfast you can think of and That's all that cool. things. Um, so I'm nervous. Yeah. But in addition, I'm a freshman, right? Yeah. Again, I'm a freshman. What I have now is a team hmm. and someone like Nathan who, um, who completely picks up where I leave off uh, and crushes it. Hmm. And I think that growth, true growth, in, in anything is really identifying what you don't know and filling those gaps. Hmm. Ego aside, like yeah. you, none of that's going to make you win if you think you know everything and you think you can do everything. And the minute there's two restaurants and you get close to a hundred employees, it is a shit show. Yeah. It's like keeping <laughs> six balls in the air juggling. It's not easy. Yeah. What were the, what were some of those first things like lessons you had to learn when you had to, you know, that you were like, you know, yeah. What were some of those first lessons you had to figure out? At that time, it was, um, 
it was time, spending time. Um, I, I felt like I was constantly running back and forth, just putting out fires. Hmm. And those fires get bigger. Yeah. Add to that, as you grow, um, the government starts to require different things. So when you hit certain levels of employees, there's now there's new requirements. Mm-hmm. Um, and that happens as you grow. Hmm. That starts to get challenging hmm. because then all of a sudden there's a need for this administra- administrative piece that you didn't have with one restaurant. You could sort of manage it all, right? Um, I bet you that was probably the biggest hmm. sort of kick in the head was like, oh, wow, so we have to do all this new insurance work or we have to do all these things and they take a lot of time. Yeah. And someone like me who is, you know, certainly has attention issues, um, staying in an office is not good, right? Yeah. So no, now, I need, now I need an admin mm-hmm. and that admin has to have some skill set to be able to sort of like do this. Hmm. Um, and that was the hardest part. But then it was just juggling, you know, there's a cooler down, the cook didn't show up, Oh, wait, the guy in Liverpool, you know, and all of that, (laughs) right, that you can imagine. Um, And then by the third store, really, then it was like hard. It was like having three kids, right, that middle child sort of like, (laughs) all right, I need some attention too. And, Mm. and, um, but again, bringing in and filling the void was was Mm. the answer for sure. Yeah. And then since then, which was in 2018 is when I brought on my partner, we... um, We've grown exponentially, mm-hmm. really, as far as you know, bringing on Yards Grill at Green yeah. Lakes, which is a huge operation yeah. and something I'm really proud of. That team kills it, um, and now the diner, Yo Burrito. You know, we've got five concepts at the amphitheater. Hmm. It's it's a lot of stuff, and again, it's like 300 and some odd employees, wow. which is about to grow because the diner is hiring. You know, I think 40. Yeah, that's wild. Yeah, yeah, it's. Um it's, was it, is it tough to like, I guess there's, there might be a, a one or two other examples of local businesses that have done that, you know, Tully's and their, you know, empire with Copper Top and Good Buddies and all that kind of stuff. But I mean, really locally, there isn't, there aren't many other examples that you can look to that of owners who have done it successfully. I mean, some of them that tried, you know, bombed pretty quickly, um, you know, or shortly after. So I mean, what, what was like your inspiration? Like, what were your, your, um, yeah, what was your inspiration? What were the people? Who were the people that you looked to for guidance or advice? Or were you just trying to kind of go on with best decisions? So I get to list who I'm a fan of now. Yeah, I love this idea. <laughs> okay, first of all, like, um, I think that no one does it better than the Tullys, the G. Yeah. Martino family. I think they're, you know, for a long time I've been looking up to them. Um, as far as their growth, it, it looks like to me that it's very calculated they slow play it i love it i yeah. mean i think they do a great job copper top's actually one of my favorites yeah period i think it's great um so you know i've been watching those guys for a long time it's really nice that you mentioned us in the same sentence that's yeah. cool to me it's an honor um i'm a massive fan of john stage yeah i think that for years i've been watching what he's doing and um and uh, I think that, you know, his creativity, his tenacity, they're just, he's just awesome. Yeah. Um, I love Pizza Regional. Mm-hmm. I love it. Yeah, they do great. Um, so those guys, and then, you know, on the new end of things, you know, I'm a big fan of the creativity of Chris Biley. Mm-hmm. Um, but there was a time in 2006 that I thought about getting out of the business. Mm. All right. So I've been open four years that right yeah four years um and i decided i was going to learn commercial real estate so i kind of half was half-heartedly running the pub downtown Hmm. and learning commercial real estate and i met the guys from original italian pizza okay and they were opening their third store i actually wrote the lease for their third store Hmm. as a commercial realtor and i got re-inspired by meeting those two guys i would say that's a tipping point for me yeah because i turned around, ran back into the restaurant business, Mm. rebranded Bull and Bear Pub downtown, you know, made it, you know, wanted to make it feel like it was this huge, you know, that there was stores all over the place, even though it was this one little pub on two one-way streets, frankly, right? (laughs) And um, 
that would have been that definitely was a huge tipping point. Hmm. And, and so I'm a fan of them. Yeah, yeah for sure. Um, and there's a bunch more people, but certainly, um, you know, the G Martino family is as far as spreading out and growth. Yeah. Big time. Yeah. I've got to imagine, I mean, you've kind of said this, but I've got to imagine one of the biggest key, like once you get to a certain size, it's not really, I mean, you know, looking at the area that you're going into, like you were saying earlier, is, is important, right? You don't, you don't want to have a bull and bear, you know, an armory square today. Um, you kind of want to be in those neighborhoods where mm-hmm. people sort of have to, you know, pull, you know, have to go to you because there's not too much, right? So, but I have to imagine it, it comes a point where like, a tipping point where you can go almost anywhere and you're going to, it's going to work, you know, may not be a, a, you know, a home run, but it's going to work. Right. But that your success is, is based on a lot of those internal things, making sure that you've got your staff trained and, you know, you're compliant with a bunch of stuff. You have your admin team, all those behind the scenes things that really aren't too attractive uh, when you're thinking about being a business owner. Sure. You know, I mean, I think like, I go into places and um, I go into places and I and some of them I work with, some of them I'm just friends with, and I get behind the scenes and the the, the lack of a system that exists in a rest in a business that's running it just absolutely floors me. Sure, you know it's like I, I it, it's it's mind boggling to me in some cases that they keep the lights on when I see that there's no systems in place. Mm-hmm. Um, one of those things I've been thinking about a lot over the years is just like training, just having a, a training manual, something mm-hmm. that when a new employee comes in, you can say, Hey, this is how we do things here, you know, in, in our restaurant. And this is how we expect you to do it. And here's your guidance. And, you know, here's, you know, read this and figure it out and yeah. we're going to train you. And then we're going to release you to the wolves. It still blows me away that somebody can get hired in a restaurant and start right away without having any sort of system in place. Right. Well, that's all a need, right? Like you're, when you're, when you're an owner operator and I'm, and I truly mean an operator, right? Maybe you're on the line, maybe you're behind the bar, maybe the host, whatever you're working in that business. You're constantly in a firefight. So you don't really have the time to go, well, I'm going to, I'm going to put over uh, all the standard operating procedures together today. We're going to put a handbook together. and, 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 so for years, I didn't have it. Yeah. But again, hiring in and bringing in somebody that has experience in corporate restaurants, mm-hmm. so you can you can you can assimilate things that exist in other places. I mean, now you can really probably buy most of it and just yeah. edit it out to be your own. Um, but continued training and a continuity between between your whether it's like stores or even your brands, right? Yeah. There are some things we do across brands that are very our company, right? They're yeah. very um, um, very much in our style. Mm-hmm. At Bull and Bear, all three places, you should get almost exactly the same experience mm-hmm. as far as how you're approached, how you're talked to, what's presented to you, and then execution of food. Yeah. Right. Um, there's human beings behind the scenes, so right. it's not always perfect. But, um, but that is so important. Mm-hmm. You know, I say that like McDonald's cheeseburgers are not great cheeseburgers yeah. by any means. Frankly, they don't even taste like cheeseburgers. Right. Any cheeseburger I've ever made. <laughs> yeah. But I will say that there's a consistency, and that consistency is why they are all over the world. Yeah. It is what it is, and mm. and. I think inconsistency in restaurants is that slow killing cancer that mm. people don't see, they don't smell it, they don't hear, it, but it just ruins mm. restaurants. Yeah. So standard operating procedures and training is very, very important because of that. Yeah. Right. Huh. That's really interesting. What uh, What do you think is the those the future hold for? Uh, I'll ask you for you specifically, but first I'll say for our general area for food. Uh. Ah, that's a good question. I know what it holds for us. I mean, we're obviously we're we're doing this diner, yeah, um, which is called the Daily Diner, by the way. Oh, that's cool. And uh, you know, I've got my fingers crossed. I hope it goes really well. Um, I could see us growing that. Everything that Nathan and I do, we always are thinking about how do I make two, or three, or four of these? Yeah. And even if it's only going to be one. 
it's that thought process that gives you SOPs, right? Like, yeah. Right? Like build, someone said a long time to me, build your place like it's going to be a franchise, even if it's not. Mm-hmm. So we do that. From furniture selection to colors, decor, all of that, mm. down to, um, I'll give an example. Sometimes people say, well, why don't you get a local coffee, right? This is a touchy subject because everyone <laughs> loves local coffee, and I do too. However, <laughs> it's difficult. Yeah, it costs aside. Like, yeah. It's difficult to get um, to bet yeah. the long view mm. on a small artisan yeah. roastery, let's say. Um, and we've got great ones around here. Yeah. What I'm saying is that, you know, and, and again, mm. something can change inside their company, then there's an inconsistency. All right. So you end up with a large roaster or something along those lines so that you know yeah. what you're doing can be reproduced. Hmm. Um, I know that's not a that's not an overly popular opinion, but... No, it's, yeah, it's interesting. But when you're building a system, yeah. it makes sense. For sure. Right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I've, you know, talk, you know, talking about coffee, I've worked for uh, a couple of the coffee roasters in town and, uh, and, and, and for one of them is like a wholesale salesperson and getting out there and talking to restaurant owners for a year about trying to buy wholesale coffee, there is not one justification that I could make to them on why they should buy wholesale from a local coffee roaster for their restaurant. Isn't that where I met you? Were you selling it when we were, when we opened Malt? No, uh, no, okay, no. Right. I thought uh, we first met at the um, at one of the buy not buy local bashes. Yeah, one of the buy local bashes. That was the first time I met you. That at was the F shed. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I fun. think that was like five or six years ago. Those were a lot of fun. Yeah, and um, yeah, there, I mean, yeah, talk about how things have changed. You know, it even just with our eat local card in four years, the in person holiday fair event things that that we have in Syracuse, those, those have so the the success of them have steadily like declined over yeah. the years. It's um, it's really wild. You have to up your game. I feel like so much nowadays to really you have to be. Social media has changed from a long thing to a very short bam in your face. Mm-hmm. And if you can't capture somebody in the first couple seconds, you're done. Right. And that's translated into I feel like almost every area of our lives outside of the digital world. If you can't, bam, get somebody, if you can't show them your concept or prove to them something in those first few seconds, those first few moments in their, whatever they're experiencing, your business, your events, you're, you're sunk. Right. You know, you have to get them right away. It's really, it, it really, it's, un, it, some of it's unfortunate, right? There's, yeah. there's certainly an upside to what you're saying, short attention span stuff, right? Yeah. Um, large format things like the Chicken Wing Festival, things like that, right? Yeah. I'm willing to bet you that if I were to walk around there, it's a lot of the people that are my age that were the same people that were hanging out in Hanover Square, that were the same people that supported the Blues Fest. Hmm. You know, those fest, like yeah. those people I was talking about earlier, right. right? They went out and experienced things to 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 connect with other human beings. Yeah. Um, live music, same idea the generationally we're losing the people that support those things, which is why it's shrinking. Yeah. And unfortunately I don't know what the future of that looks like. Cause it really, it's dissipating, right? Like we, we agree mm. yeah. that it's getting smaller and smaller and smaller. So what, what becomes the next thing? Right. Mm. Um, I, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I really <laughs> don't know, but it's unfortunate because large groups of people are fun. You know? Yeah. For sure. There is a lot of fun to going to a thing all day long having some drinks, tasting a bunch of food, yeah. and and running into your old pals. Right. Now, Facebook makes, makes it so that when I see my old pal, I might duck, right? Yeah, right <laughs> so yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I don't really know what to expect next. Yeah. I hate uh, – I one of the things I've, I've had my first experience with this year was running into someone at an event that I knew had just recently bashed the restaurant online and seeing them. <laughs> and it oh, was just, right. it was just, we just got like this really bad review from this one guy. And, and I, I, when I saw him out at the chicken wing fest, I recognized him. I was like, Oh, that's son of a bitch. That's the guy that just left me a one star review on some stupid thing. And, um, and I walked up to him and, you know, we had internally had all these conversations, fuck that guy, you know, and yeah. <laughs> I walked up to him and was like, hey, I just want to introduce myself. I, I'm one of the owners of Through and Fried. I just want to say, hey, thanks so much for the review. 
meant a lot to us that you would take the time to let us know that we have some things to work on and sure and we're gonna we're adjusting those things so just wanted to say thanks for that and he was like oh yeah man he's like yeah if you just do that one thing and i'm like you know, you're so stupid. Yeah. Like, you don't know what you're talking about. It was, you know, and uh, he was like, yeah, if you just do that one thing, you know, it'll, I'll be back. I'll be back. I was like, okay. Now he did later that night, adjust, like delete his review. So, so great. So great. Because great. you made a human connection with it. Right. So it, it, like, let's vent for a minute and let's talk about that because yeah. it's dangerous, right? Not dangerous, but you know what I mean? Yeah. We as restaurateurs and business owners, right? We put it out there. Mm-hmm. We put everything we have into putting these things together yeah the public consumes them therefore we become public property right i get that we hire human beings they work in our spaces they make Mm -hmm. mistakes they shine sometimes they don't yeah when someone's in our restaurants we have a a a a card in our menu that says our promise to you Mm. and our promise is i'll paraphrase a little bit we promise to source the best ingredients, do our best to find the best people, and train them to our best. Mm. If the inevitable uh, mistake happens, yeah, tell us. And in bold letters, it says here and now. Mm-hmm. Basically, don't mm. go to Facebook and tattletale. Yeah. Don't go to the, you know leave us a one-star review. Let us fix it. Because frankly, the management is trained to fix mistakes because they're going to happen. Yeah. Could you imagine if we could hire, walk around and review people just on who they are yeah. and what they're doing? At the same time, you know, and I've, I've, I try to connect with as many really bad reviews as I can um, in, in, a, in a live, whether it's a phone call or something. Every single time, every single time someone will say, you know, geez, I was just in a bad mood and whatever. I'll certainly take it down. And, hmm. you know, I, I just would... They're yeah. always, once you're looking at them, yeah. they always change their tune. And I think that why are we like this to, to each other? Right. Right? Why not just say, hey, they screwed up a little bit, but they fixed it. They gave me another hamburger or, yeah. geez, they refunded my money or whatever it is. Hmm. But to go hide at home, right? get on there, try to hurt someone's business, and buy that, like I told you, it's 310 employees. Yeah. They make a living off of our success. Sure. Right? It's their success. So if if you run home and you're hurt, you know. Yeah. We had uh, Yo Burrito, and we opened the first night, and we got a bad review from somebody who I, I thought it was too expensive um, mm. um, and not as good as Chipotle and all these other things. And I said, well, we weren't opening a Chipotle, but, <laughs> um, but why give – you know, why give Chipotle, who probably makes the same, you know, this big corporation. Right. You know, I'm the guy that coaches youth football. You know, I'm <laughs> the guy who you come to for donations. Like, we're part of the neighborhood. Right. Support us. Say, hey, I love you guys so much. Hmm. I didn't have a great experience in person. Could you fix it? Yes, we'll fix it. No hmm. problem. We expect that we're going to have to once in a while. So anyway, I'm going on and on no, about yeah. it. But it touches a nerve with me because I think people have stopped this connection. Yeah. And we're your neighbors. Right. I might live up the street. Like, be kind to us. Let us be kind to you. This is what we're doing here. So Yeah. We had, um, when we first opened 31 Fried, I, I t- stole this idea from an author. Um, his name is Bob Goff. And he wrote a, pheno- he's written a couple phenomenal books, but one of them was called Love Does. And um, uh, and at the back, of it's a New York Times bestseller, but at the last page of his book, he gives out his personal cell phone number and says, if you ever want to call me and talk about the book or anything, here's my number. And he has this policy. He answers his phone, doesn't ever lets it go to voicemail. And so, um, and this is, I don't know, 10, 12 years ago. So I'm reading this book and I knew that his phone number is at the back of the page, but I wait, waited till I read the entire entirety of the book. And then I called him and, uh, I was just like, Hey, just want to say, I just finished the book, loved it. Talking to him for a second. And he's like, and he was like, "Hey, let me call you right back. I'm going through TSA." And calls me back ten minutes later, picks it, picking up the story where we had left off, like remembering details from it. And I had like a ten minute phone conversation with this guy. That's cool. So when we opened through and fried, we had uh, thank you cards that we put in every to go order, and we have three of them. They're col- colored, so each one has a discount for a future visit. 
off a specific sandwich. So that way we know if somebody comes in on this and they have this card that they redeem, this is their first visit or their second visit back. It's their third visit. It's their fourth visit back. So internally we can, you know, figure out who is returning. It's a good idea. But it says on the back, thank you. We put so much effort into this, you know, know, whatever, yada, yada, yada. Uh, If there is any issue with your food, any issue with your order at all, if you have any comments or concerns, here's one of the owner's cell phone numbers. Please call him and let him know. And I put my cell phone number on it. I got in the first week, and I sat there like staring at that phone for the first week, terrified that it was going to ring. <laughs> <laughs> one time it rang like right in the middle of a rush, and I was like, oh, son of a bitch. You know? And I answered it, and there was some lady who was just saying, you know, I just drove from... I think it was like just on the other side of Rochester to come out. She's like, I saw it somehow. I just drove from the other side of Rochester. She's like, I'm the person I asked you to make all the food and separate everything. So when I got back home and ate it, it wouldn't be gross. Right. She was like, best fucking chicken sandwich I've ever had before. Thank you so much. Oh, that's cool. I was like, oh, thank God. It was like, hey, thanks for coming out. You know, so. So nice when people do share oh, good yeah. news, right? Because it, yeah. it's so often, you know where Syracuse eats, you know, yes. it's like where Syracuse complains most of the yeah. time. It's like, um, I will say with that though, I've talked to a few owners who have gotten like, I'm talking ones who have just gotten beat the hell up on there where they get a negative post and then it just goes for, you know, two days. Sure. They have most like the three or four I've talked to have told me they've never been busier than after that happened. It's interesting. So getting hammered, getting just beat up on there about all the people who hate you, you know. Yeah. I went there too. It sucked. They've, like the next week, busier than they've been. Well, what they used to say about Howard Stern, remember Howard yeah. Stern used to say that. If yeah. you like me, you listen for 10 minutes. If you hate me, you listen for an hour. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, yeah. It's, uh, I don't know that I've, I've experienced it that way. Um, okay. I've never, I, well, I, let's yeah. put it this way. I haven't tracked it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Certainly, but we've 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 been kicked around a couple times. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> you know, I guess. Um, but you know, you do learn from every every misstep. Um, yeah. You know, and it isn't always going to go perfectly, and you can't control every everything. Yeah. Um, you know, you asked what was the there, there's a good one. You asked, you know, by having three restaurants or going from two to three or whatever, mm. you learn you can't control everything. Mm. I was having a conversation just a little while ago about. Um, chefs and owners who flip out, mm. really yell and get, you know, and mm. um, over the years, right, I, I like mm. never, never lose my temper anymore. Um, and it comes with understanding what you're doing. Mm-hmm. It really does. There's like, you, you realize the house isn't going to burn down. Yeah. So... Um, and sometimes getting kicked around on the internet a little bit helps reinforce that. Yeah. You start to look at what's really important. What am I going to get upset about? What am I going to continue to focus on? Um, yeah, it's, you know, that anger and that, um, and, and that negativity comes from fear. Yeah. And some of those things, when you're getting kicked around the internet (laughs) a little bit, uh, you start to, you start to reflect and go, okay, all right. Yeah. Uh, and then you realize that most of it's manageable. And sometimes, sometimes once in a while, you find a problem you just didn't know about. Yeah. And that's when the gem is there, right? That's when you're like, okay, well, I'm glad they did. I wish they would have told me in person, but oh, for sure. Okay. We did discover something here. Yeah. 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 We had, yeah. We bought a new freezer uh, from one of the bad reviews that we got, you know, so we realized our tater tots weren't, you know, holding up as well as they should. So perfect. Yeah. Perfect. So what question that uh, David, who owned the uh, Peachtree Sandwich Co., told me that he wanted me to ask every guest, and, and for the most part I remember, and sometimes I don't, uh, but now I'm remembering it. And that, the question is, uh, why do you do what you do? Oh, I don't know what else I would do. <laughs> That's the short answer. Um, I come from an art background. Mm-hmm. When I left high school, I, I don't have a college education. Mm-hmm. Uh, I started at OCC and, and doing some architecture stuff. Okay. Um, I've, um, I've always been in a creative posture. This hits it all. 
Yeah. So what we're doing today, not only solving problems, finding ways to engineer things, right? So there's technical creativity, but there's branding, there's food, right? Mm-hmm. Who doesn't love that? You know, I come from an Italian background. Mm-hmm. Everything we did, right? We celebrated, we mourned, we fought, we did it all over consuming something, yeah. right? Um, this may be the only meeting I'm having this week that doesn't involve some coffee or a cigar, right? <laughs> so we... Uh, I think it's that mm-hmm. there are lots of little victories within what we do. And mm. I just think that like, I don't know any other, and I keep dabbling in other things that maybe are less labor intensive. Mm-hmm. One of the things about full service restaurants that people don't understand is you really have two sets of labor involved to bring food to your table. Yeah. Right. So what people don't always understand is, this is a little tangent here, I'm sorry, but what people don't always understand is sometimes it's, it goes through up to seven sets of hands. Yeah. Depending on what you're ordering to get to you. There's lots of room for, holy crap, we dropped the ball. Hmm. Um, but also, it's labor intensive. Yeah. Um, anyway, <laughs> um, so I dabble in these other things. And I find that most of the other things that I try to mess around with are also slightly creative, but I always they always fall short. Yeah. Because there's no those things can't be shared with a friend and a friend can't be like, Oh man, this was so great. My wife and I came here, we loved it, we had so much fun, um, you know, and uh it, you know, we had a laugh and a mm. beer and watched the sunset or whatever it may be. Yeah. I'm talking about yards. Uh those so those little victories yeah. are very, very cool. Um, the other slightly cool thing is that the restaurant industry in Syracuse is small. So mm-hmm. we get known, you know. So yeah. if you like uh, the public and you like the guys from the news calling saying, hey, what are you doing next and whatever else, yeah. well, that's there too. Right? Right. I enjoy that. Um, but mostly it's the creativity. Have you ever thought about expanding it out into a, like a – Rochester or Buffalo or anything like that? So earlier you talked about areas of the county, and I thought about that because, that um, you know, uh, what happens when you're working in your own environment, right? So Onondaga County, I grew up here from Eastwood, right? Went to mm-hmm. Hennigar, all that stuff. I understand the neighborhoods mm-hmm. deeply, yeah. right? You, you know, you feel it. You know what kind of people live where, you know, um, from ethnicities to just the way they entertain themselves. It's different from clay down to Tully, right? Yeah. Different. Um, hmm. I would, I know personally, if someone from Rochester who was said, hey, I really like one of your concepts and I want to bring it here and I'm from there, I think I would explore that. Mm-hmm. But I wouldn't. I wouldn't blindly. I think it's a very difficult thing, and I've seen people from bigger cities come in to Syracuse and go, "Oh, we're going to kill it." Yeah, and they just don't. All right. Meanwhile, they're popular in Rochester. Yeah, they end up closing. Right. It's hmm. it's a really tricky thing, and I think when you put a location together, you have felt that location for a while. I knew that Hullers was going to be a good spot for us, and hmm. pardon me, in Fayetteville because I just intimately knew that area and. New haulers and new all that stuff. Yeah. You get it? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. That's interesting. Hmm. Well, listen, Mark, thank you so much for coming down. Appreciate it. Taking time out of your day to be on the podcast. All right, man. Thank Thanks you. for having me. I appreciate yeah. it. Thanks. Well, there it is, everybody. Thanks again for checking out the Eat Local New York podcast. Make sure you connect with us online at eatlocalnewyork.com where you can find our blogs, other podcasts, and the video version of each and every single episode. Thanks so much. We're going to catch you back here next week for another episode of the Eat Local New York podcast.